Hello, hello, and welcome to the CBETS podcast. We're your hosts, Georgina Piltz. And Ruben Cervantes. And today we have a lovely guest joining us on this episode, episode number 55, Tristan Bowley. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for it's having me. such a treat to have you as we discuss kind of what's been going on over the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I know it extends more than just the past couple of weeks it's years and centuries and centuries but before we really jump into this topic just tell us a little bit about yourself sure so hey hi (laughs) i'm glad to be here i'm so glad you're here (laughs) for real i know it's a good it's a good thing so i um i don't know i mean i've been a follower of jesus for 16 years and um in my journey with him He's graciously uh, brought me into greater, greater levels of truth, particularly around some of the things we're going to talk to yeah. talk about today. Um, I have two kids. I love them a lot. Even better, I have a husband. His name's Rick. He's Amen. literally Amen. the best thing. Um, <laughs> I'm awesome. a huge fan of him. But uh, as far as my background, um, just uh, I was raised in California. I studied interpersonal communication at a Christian university and sort of started working in teaching, but also doing some consulting work around strengthening um, teams, making them more diverse, making them more inclusive. And that was really in a secular sense. And so as I was journeying through that, um, strengthening my competency in that, asking the Lord sort of what his kingdom meant, what it looked like lined up next to some of those things, because there were residues of truth in it, um, but it didn't feel solidly gospel. Um, And so, you know, when you have those those twinges of truth, you, you start to look into the word and ask the Lord that Ephesians fair uh, prayer of wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. Yeah. And he started, has been so kind and been generous uh, to unpack awesome. some of that for me. So, that so, so, cool. good. so today's podcast is called, <coughs> excuse me, ethnic hostility. Yeah. And just before we were starting this, we were kind of talking, okay, what's the difference between ethnic hostility yeah. and ethnic conflict? Sure. And so just unpack that a little bit. And then I really want to bring in a, a Bible passage that we yeah. can kind of start this conversation on. Yeah, I think it's a good a good place to start, right? So we think of this idea of conflict. That was really the first word that we were talking about as we were sitting here, but how that actually is very much a part of our identity as believers, very much a part of our inheritance in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not to... to a, allow that word to sort of be misused in the sense of um, it's something negative. Like we are actually very much designed by being believers, born again, Mm -hmm. cloaked in the whole armor of the Lord for fighting, for conflict. We're we're designed for that. Uh, What is not in our nature and what is not of the kingdom inherently is hostility. So uh, being born into the kingdom of darkness, a character trait of that is hostility. You see it throughout the scriptures as far as what works of the flesh are. Um, In some of the passages we're going to talk about today, as far as Ephesians, even in Matthew, where there are strong exhortations throughout the Gospels, throughout the epistles, pointing back to even the Proverbs of what sort of operating in this carnal sense is. Um, And that, the root of that is a hostility, a a desire for divisiveness, a desire to tear apart, a desire Mm -hmm. to tear down. Um, And so when we think of conflict, sort of this coming together, uh, clanging, if you will, of that can be sharpening, it can be um, sort of the place at the foot of the cross where we see that wall of hostility coming right. down and we're working out our salvation, that we have grace for, that we have mercy for, that yeah. we have tools in the word and, and by the spirit to sort of navigate. Yeah. Um, but hostility itself is is not what we're made for. Yeah. Totally. No, that's so good. Nani, do you want to bring in that scripture that's kind of been bubbling in your heart? Yes, of course. So, yeah, no, I'm thinking... You know, related to this 
racial conflict, this ethnos conflict, um, Matthew 24, just the words of Jesus, of the things that are going to take place at the end of the day. And um, as we come near to the, to the return of the Lord, um, he says that many will come in his name, that they will deceive many, that kingdom will rise against kingdom and nation against nation, which means the ethnos too. And and then we'll fall into persecution and tribulation. But then there's this like hope at the end of it where Jesus says, but the, the gospel will be preached to all nations. And I just, I feel like there is like a light at the end of the tunnel. There's like uh, a sovereignty of the Lord in all of these. And I'm just like, what does that look like? You yeah. know, in the midst of all of these, how are we to rise up? How, like what is our, our role? How, what, what should our response as a church be? be if the gospel will be preached yeah. in the midst of all of these right. oh, so that's so good that's really good um Tristan, i'm gonna be slightly honest with you i was slightly or fully because <laughs> i'm trying to you know i'm, I'm hoping <laughs> for full honesty, honesty. Here. <laughs> let's just let's just go full honesty i'll just go here. straight there okay so i was raised in a very white family mm-hmm. england sure very but we never Growing up, I had a number of different friends who very different ethnically, but we were we were all friends mm-hmm. there. So basically, in England, there isn't necessarily a tension between black and white. Sure. There's tension between other nations mm-hmm. and other ethnicities, but I don't actually understand sure. or grasp what's really happening right now mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. and even the pain. Yeah. of what's taking place within the black community, mm-hmm. within individual hearts. Because I, I never want to label it as them sure. or the black community. I want to yeah. see an individual heart mm-hmm. and try my best to connect with that heart. Mm-hmm. So as one who kind of just doesn't know, we've read it a little bit in the history books, yeah. j- just help me to understand, help sure. us to understand that there, m- there may be even the tiniest inching of forwards to, hey, I want to share your pain. Yeah. I want to love and help you in any way I can. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, so what's what's so interesting about uh, sort of this collective reality of African Americans here in the States mm-hmm. is it's such a, there's such a wide variety, right? So I think of even here on the missions base in the House of Prayer, so many folks who would identify as African-American, the the background of that is so varied. I okay. mean, immigrants, right? People who have lived in the United States, multiple generations. Um, yeah. And so I think, first and foremost, just... E- Yes, there is a collective reality, which is why I think this key um, distinction that we've been making today between race and ethnicity, which get interchanged a lot and, and, you know, is normative, um, is something that we kind of lean into because races, oftentimes when we look at skin tone, skin color, kind of that's the terminology that comes to mind. Ethnicity is sort of the whole package culturally. So when I hear you asking that question, I hear you asking sort of about the cultural history. And I think there are lots of key flashpoints. I think ultimately one of the things um, to kind of keep in mind when we're thinking of the founding of the nation is um, sort of with every nation, uh, someone had to be oppressed in order for it to be established, right? Right. Um, There there had to be sort of a a distinction between um, who had access Mm -hmm. and who didn't. Um, And we can go into the nuances. There are people who are far more skilled and far more capable 
helpful to kind of walk through the timeline. But I think um, the beautiful thing is when you're looking at the building of a nation and you're talking about a cornerstone that's being laid, there there was a cornerstone of hostility in this nation between those people groups. So as helpful as it is to know specific facts, I think just acknowledging that um, the nationalism of being American inherent to our citizenship oftentimes allows us to kind of lean in ignorance and, you know, just in genuine ignorance, not ignorance of a sort of with a a condemning tone, but lack of understanding of that being the cornerstone. So you've got sort of two people groups, although very many others, because there were so many other nationalities that came right right now that we've sort of clumped in and have called white Americans, but there was a vast variety of, of of cultures that fed into that too. Um, and now, um, I think partially by the stirring of the hand of the Lord, also just this works of darkness have over 400 years built this history of hostility against right. each other. Um, and so again, I, you know, there's specific things and I think those things are helpful, but to your point of, as you meet a person wanting to know the story of what makes them who they are in the Lord, the story of what brought them to Christ, the story yeah. of what he's, what he's redeemed them out of that, that redemptive quality, but also what he treasures in them in making their frame and their history, what it was is, is key. So what I'm hearing when you ask that question is a heart to know people. And I think that is given by the Lord. That's grace by the Lord. And if you stay in that place, that ultimately is the heart of reconciliation. Wow. That's true. You know, um, you were part of our symposium yeah. a, f- a few months ago mm-hmm. um, where y- we asked you to c- come because of the way you understand this issue. And as we know, as we saw in Matthew 24, ethnic conflict is going to emerge at the end of the age. Yeah. And so the fact that it's happening right now, like in this way, it's it's just to me, it's got a sensation of like, oh my gosh, how unprepared the church is to have a message during these times. Sure. And you came and Mm -hmm. you shared some really big insights related to the true condition of, you know, because I I mean, one of the things that Georgie started out with is like, hey, this this is not like a new thing, but many of us in the church Mm -hmm. are like, oh my gosh, this new thing that's happening. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not new. It's just that it all of a sudden and for either... For some might think it was a positive reason or yeah. some might think it's a negative reason. Yeah. It has become a exclamation point on the national stage, global stage, actually. Global, yeah. And and so it's a loud statement like, here it is, yeah. oppression, yeah. unfairness, yeah. like yeah. Ah, social inequality. Yes. It's out there loud. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want you to, to speak into this. Like, what is going on? What is wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting that you, you asked that. You, you bring that up, Ruben. So we're talking about the symposium mm-hmm. um, and how we had the series of speakers and then these breakout sessions. And I was just looking back over the, the booklet earlier today and seeing how there were kind of four sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Abiding in the secret place, ethnic conflict in the gospel, yeah. looking at intercultural communication and what it looks like to have a body made up of a ton of different cultures, thousands. I yeah. think Mike was talking about last night. How many did he say when oh, he... I- when he got together with Syker and um, Greaves, hundreds of yeah, thousands yeah, yeah. Of, of people who have been redeemed into the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and, and then this final piece of pastoring in a crisis. Yeah. And yeah. so I felt like the Lord was kind of giving us this taste, even oh, in November yeah. with the symposium of, of some of the things to come. And I think ultimately, um, 
Reuben, what's happening is the Lord is doing what he said he would do. Mm-hmm. So I think we look at the scripture, that the very passage that was just read, Matthew 24, and we see nations raging against nations. And then oddly enough, we're shocked when we see rage in the <laughs> nations. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, he said, no, he said that people would actually have this level of intensity, this level of heat around it, yeah. and that it's going to increase. And uh, the interesting thing about sort of that first part in 24, towards a little bit later, where the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, um, is lawlessness will be increased. So that's 12. So that the 14 is the passage where it's going to be preached, mm-hmm. and 12 is lawlessness will be increased. But as we're building to this reality of, of verse 14, for we're now seeing a stage, that's this global stage, where the gospel will be preached. But how does that happen? It's when the church is who she is supposed to be, yeah. right? And so there's there's not, there's not these sort of individualistic ways, although there, there might be some instances of that, of where we're going to see the gospel preached. But when you see this flashpoint of injustice that the whole world sees, and there is a collective response because we are a nation of priests and how we respond to that, yeah. and then... The, the after effect, so not just a, a black tile on social media, not just a day of silence, not, you know, these, these moments of mourning, which Ecclesiastes tells us that there are times for that. We mm-hmm. mourn and we rejoice when things, when appropriate, right? That's, a, again, a part of our heritage, a part of our new ethnicity as a nation yeah. of priests. I, I think you still have this example here where you have this, this church coming together and we're saying we know the way to stay steady. We know the way to relate with one another. The Lord tells us in Ephesians that we are one body under Christ. That wall of hostility has been drawn, has been torn down in the cross. And to move forward, we contend for the faith. You see it again in Jude where he's telling us, hey, have mercy on those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire. You know, show mercy without your own garment being stained by the flesh. So when we're looking at sort of our interpersonal dynamics, that's how we we see where to respond. We contend for the faith. We don't look to other ways. We don't look to other sort of temples of justice that are being built because just before that passage in 24, Jesus is at the temple and he talks about how this temple built by man is going to be torn down every last stone. So how much more so we as people being the temple of the living God, there are parts of us, parts of our hearts, parts of our our actual selves. And then the collective reality of the the local church context, these temples that we're building up that the Lord himself Mm -hmm. is casting down. And he's saying, we're, we're going to do this in a way that's built on the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. And that looks like Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, which, you know, when you're looking at the, the armor of the Lord in Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, it's Sermon on the Mount wrapped in armor. Like, yeah. this is how we are the yeah. army of the Lord, yeah. right? This is how we have conflict in a godly yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so I appreciate that. That, yeah. uh, that. I love your answers. They're so gospel-centric. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but part of the challenge of the church, because mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of mixed messages yeah. from the church. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, cause you are saying there is there, this is the time that the church can shine, you know, the message, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we made for this moment. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I'm confused because there's so many different answers. Sure. And, and I want to hear from you mm-hmm. as a black American, you yeah. know, married to a black American, yeah. like, you know, cause there's so many art. I mean, I've heard so many things yeah. and it just breaks my heart. And I just want to hear from you, you know, like just to help us understand the pain. Because, because, you know, 
because there's this big explosion of pain from good people mm-hmm. and an explosion of pain from bad people sure. and then people who take advantage of the situation to kind of you know exploit, exploit their, their yeah, yeah. The, the situation through their brokenness yeah I mean all kinds of from the looting like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people looting they're not even connected to the issue of justice sure. they're just like oh great I can go get a free TV yeah. now and like some shoes yeah lawlessness it's just yeah. absolute lawlessness mm-hmm. because it's like oh they're not gonna stop me I'm gonna sure. go for it it's sure. exposing so that that is I mean there's so many things happening at the same time but what is unfortunately is getting the hidden under the noise mm-hmm. is the true message sure of of the pain that this this flashpoint created mm-hmm. and that's what that that's what i'm zealous for because you know and the reason I, i'm going to substantiate this just a tad more uh you know because i grew up mm-hmm. you know typical immigrant community sure i uh, mo- all of my friends majority of them i mean mm-hmm. I, I i would say like if i had 10 friends nine of them were illegal mm-hmm. you know immigrants and and so i experienced what it was like because i thought it was illegal until i, I got my driver's license um, then I realized, oh, wow, I can do this a lot easier than most. Um, but the point is that the feel, the fear of the police, yeah. the always hiding, all of that. I grew up with that world. Sure. And and I, you know, and I, you know, I just think of like one time when my friends they came to live with us because their parents got uh, deported because they had a broken tail light. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they were kids. Yeah. My parents took them on uh, so they wouldn't get into the foster system mm-hmm. and everything. And, and so I, I just. When I think about these things, like people don't understand mm-hmm. the pain, mm-hmm. and then and so then they 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 come up with statements like "all lives matter," yeah. for example, which I agree. Do all lives matter? Absolutely, all lives matter. But it's a response to 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 denigrate or to dismiss mm-hmm. this 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 real echo that's yeah. going out there right now. Like, yeah. hey hey guys, we matter. Come mm-hmm. on, you know. Yeah. And of course, it was born in a in a, in the seedbed of hostility. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember when when um, Isaac. Uh, Pastor Isaac Bennett m- was mentioning about how the foundation of our nation, mm. you know, like our founding fathers with Christian values, yeah. we should return back to that. And he made this statement of like, what, re- you know, I-, I can't imagine being a black man right now saying, wait, m- you want the time when my great, 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 great granddaddy was a slave to your great, great, great granddaddy as the ideal of how we need to go back to that world. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. I'm, this is a very long, I'm giving you time to formulate some, some bombs to us, (laughs) but I just really want to know, like, Justin, like, tell me the truth. Yeah. I mean, okay. So (laughs) Ruben, thank you. I I think it would be foolish and not true if I sat here and said that when you see a man with the same skin tone as your husband gunned down in broad daylight, whatever the implications of it, whatever caused it, whatever the result was, um, doesn't jar you to the core of who you are. And then a constant cadence or rhetoric of another man killed, another woman killed, another man killed, that that doesn't uh, chip away at you and not you. I When Ahmaud Aubrey was uh, shot, that night, my husband was out at a Bible study in a hoodie, and when he came home, I wept in his arms because I was so relieved that he was home. And I have been praying for my son, who's five, and he will one day be a young black man in a, a nation that the Lord guarantees me by his word will be more lawless with more seared conscience than what we see now. And so the reality of sitting in that moment and having very real um, groanings of the heart in response to that legitimate sobbing, like the ugly cry, right? Like the the kind that you only really want to kind of do in the shower because it's it's really there's you nothing. Can't tell the difference yeah, you just right. I just I need something <laughs> bearing down on me because the weeping is 
the weeping is real. Um, the that is that groan and that pain and that angst is is real. It's an actual thing. But I think, you know, I can't sort of minimize the reality that I have experienced in liberation in the Lord by by asking the Lord to confront my unbelief in those moments and the root of that fear and to free me from being captive to that fear. So the reality is my husband could leave our home living in South KC and get pulled over for a busted taillight, could get pulled over for no reason at all and not come home, right? And to wake up with that reality is incredibly surreal to, for that to be the state. But I think if I'm completely honest, as I go through that arc of emotion and I go through that arc of thought, which is there and present, my landing place of hope is and, and anchoring is that he does have a hope, right? I don't know if Ahmaud Aubrey did. I don't know if George Floyd did. That terrifies me. I was yeah. I, to the point where I can't, I can't watch another video in the moment. I, I re, it's like, it, it's hard. I don't know about y'all, but just to watch and to even read accounts of it, I, I can't fully stomach it. And the, the terrifying piece on the other side of that is the eternal reality of where those men are, right? And so, yes, there is I'm the, the product of black Americans. My husband is the product of black Americans in the South. We're going to Mississippi next week to visit family. And just, I mean, the that also being a seabed nationally of historic contention, openly contention um, between different ethnicities. Um, but I, I think part of what I'm, I'm hoping to articulate is although that is real and the pain is big and we sh- have no... Um, there's no need being believers to brush past the depth of that. Um, it is the gospel that gives us the net to walk in mourning and to walk through pain with someone. And so I think it's a, it's always a little uncomfortable and sometimes feels a little exposing. It's sort of like you, Ruben, you kind of had to get yourself ready for that. Like, okay, I'm going to share this part of who I am, right? Okay, so this was my history. This is my reality. Kind of have to amp yourself up to yeah. be that level of, uh, to have that level of candor. But I think when you look at what the Lord says we have in Ephesians, when that wall of hostility is torn down and we have reconciliation is, I can share the fullness of the history of who I am and history up until the moment before I walked in here to talk to you all. And I don't have shame or condemnation or fear of entrusting that with you because the Lord is with us as we commune. And so there, there are several people who I've talked to, particularly since these latest two flashpoints um, and this uprising that you're seeing globally that we've mentioned. Um, and just the, the real ache, I, I have no mothers who are weeping for their children and that pain where for me, I've gone through the arc and do sort of daily, um, they're sitting in it and, and the, it, the, the place of pain is real and they want concern and compassion from those who are in the body. And I think you've got this, this tricky place where you've got somebody who's sitting in, sitting in this deep seated pain, um, that's amplified by other things that they've experienced. And you have this seemingly different person of a different ethnicity sort of trying to come alongside and it's oftentimes feels a little clumsy right like you felt like you had to like I don't really know you know we always have to we feel like we have to give the prefaces like I don't really know very much and I I'm cautious to even enter into this and I really don't want to be offensive but I think that's where we allow the gospel to be offensive even to us and to our 
our sensibilities even within the body of saying like I'm going to come boldly to my brother and sister and ask the question and they might they might lash out and it might be from pain or sincere anger. I might say something really, really dumb. You know, like I really might misstep or me, I might be in my flesh one day and just, and not respond graciously, not respond soberly, not res- not respond with words seasoned with salt, just from a very raw place. Yeah. Um, but I'm grateful because the Lord covers both my response and how you receive it and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so then we're freed from the condemnation as you enter into it like the pain narrative is real. It's an actual thing. It, yeah. You see it raging in the sense of it's it's the ache and the cry of people's hearts. The only other way you know outside of the cross is to bust in a window. Like if we don't know how to right. take that groaning to a place of intercession, which we are learning and practicing in times of peace as intercessors, right? That that very real groan is what is prophetic in us right right? so it's not the groaning that I even necessarily need you to understand what provokes that groaning because for you there is a different groan for you there is a different groan but what brings us together as a nation of uh, priests is we turn that groaning into a a deep intercession when we don't have the words we pray the apostolic prayers when we don't even know those we say our father who is in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom thine is the power thine is the glory forever amen he taught us how to pray right? right and so when, when we move beyond that feeling like it's a trite response, because I think people do, I think that's where we come to this conversation of, I want to know the pain, I want to know the truth, you know, I want to know your story. The answer isn't any different as far as how we respond, but I think it's the knowing that changes. So I know your history, I know you're grown, and my, my role in coming alongside you as your sister is help remove that stumbling block of offense, of um, of unawareness of ignorance um, come alongside you and knowing and saying, I'm going to forbear with you. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. And I'm going to stand in confidence in who I am before the Lord that I'm going to receive those same things from you. And when the offenses happen, because they will, we're people, Mm -hmm. you know, and when, when a national rage ensues that that points the globe to the United States and says how is the church in America going to respond how are individuals when they're on their social media how are what are what is being said across pulpits you know if this is where we say it is it's still not the sexiest thing to say but you take that groan and you turn it into a prayer you put your face into the word and you take the whole counsel of the scriptures and you say you put it in your mouth and even if it feels trite you ask the lord to breathe on that thing and the simplest phrase jesus weeping right the simplest phrase where we're identifying with the man christ jesus is deeply liberating so when i think of what is the most so a lot of the the language right now is around sort of resistance or what it looks like to be to rise up right like you've got all of this like victorious language like the most offensive thing right now to the kingdom of darkness is not screaming that's work of the flesh it's that's right. from the foundations of the earth when the fall like they, yeah. that was like a demon's like oh yeah identify with that go ahead I can do it too. yeah we've been, we we're provoking that go for it you know but you have this reality of there is genuine power in reading the word of god and I, I don't ever want us as believers to become over familiar with that and so even when i'm reading it, i'm like lord this doesn't feel like enough i'm a black woman with a black husband black kids this scripture doesn't doesn't seem like it's enough Lord, help my unbelief and yeah. build my faith. 
help my unbelief because then there's something here in Ephesians 2 when you're telling me that you died for this that I'm not understanding you know something that I'm not peering into I need revelation Lord knock the dullness off my heart I love there's this passage um in John 20 um can I read it yeah please. please do um so Jesus has been crucified and uh, the disciples are um, in they're they're locked in a room and they're afraid. <laughs> and so the, they're in in the room, they're locked. They're deeply concerned for their safety. You know, what I think a lot of inc- these instances that we're seeing now with looting and rioting and all of that, like it comes down to our physical safety. Yeah. So I was reading through this and pondering, I'm like, man, I, I really, I really resonate with that. Like the wanting to have my door closed and, <laughs> and trembling for fear. Right. Um, and so it says in 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So hands out, marred side, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So the Lord came, like Jesus himself comes back to this huddled group of followers who love him dearly, who know him, presenting himself as peace. And him as peace is marred, right? It's not, it's not the victorious Jesus who we know who will be coming back and we will have that day of victory where, where all things are made right. There is no more weeping. There is no more sorrow. Uh, and, and now he's saying, this is how I'm sending you though, this cruciform Christ, right? This is what peace incarnate looks like. And this is in the midst of them being afraid of their own brethren. Like these yeah. are Jews afraid of Jews. The yeah, door, yeah, the yeah. door is locked, right? So I'm, I'm thinking in the same way, this, this trembling, right? As much as we would enter into that. And with these disciples, we're like, tell me your story. Tell me your pain. Like we understand the con there's been this context in the nation that's leading up to it. There's been this, this event that's riotous. Jesus is crucified. The veil is people are popping out of tune, like all sorts of wild things are happening around this time where Jesus <laughs> is crucified, right? It's, it's not a traditional day. There is a, clearly a difference. And so in the same way, we felt sort of this click in history with this latest murder and the, the, the sort of resounding sound around the nation, you had this obviously, yay more, was this click in history with the Lord being crucified. And the response is, followers of Christ being huddled together, afraid, not knowing what to say, and the Lord presenting himself crucified, yeah. saying, this is peace, and this is how you're going to go. Wow. This is the message, right? Um, and so I, I think it's us becoming, although, you know, I'm going to say it, although I think it's great that we know American history, I I, I am proud uh, to share cultural history with my children. I think it's necessary for them to be able to identify that. I think it's so stealthy and dangerous whenever my nationalistic history of this citizenship becomes more important than my citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. Come on. Right? And so then when we're we're looking at these instances, like, okay, I'm looking at my history of the church. This is how it began. They were gathered together. This is how they respond to fear. This is how Christ shows up to them when they're afraid, when there's rioting taking yeah. place, when they are in, when they don't, they can't even leave their home for fear of their physical safety. Jesus knows what that feels 
feels like. The forefathers of the faith know what that feels like. So I'm not alone in that. And so even though I ponder there, you you see throughout the scriptures, the New Testament, Old Testament, very real emotion. And we, we don't have to quiet that but we do have to be very mindful that the cross is the response to that mm-hmm. and I think oftentimes when I look at the I mean social media as you all know is rampant right now with yeah. everybody wanting to have a ready response and I think the heart intention behind that is good but I think we are honestly oftentimes mistaking our national privilege of having a voice is the same thing as being prophetic and it's not wow So this idea of I have the right to have a platform and I have a space and so it is my right and and it's it's what's needful for me to have a response in this moment. That's not the same thing as the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy is Christ Jesus. Testimony of Jesus. Right, (laughs) exactly. That's who, that's, and that is what it looks like for us to be spirit led. That's what it means to look for us to have a prophetic word in our mouth. So we look back then to the history of the church, say, Lord, when there's social unrest, when there's tension between ethnicities, ethnicities that he, he created, right, in the sense of the Lord established two people groups, Man, we've we've multiplied into others, but the Lord said, "These are my people, the mm-hmm. Jews, and everybody else are Gentiles, right? right?" And so, and and you can even look now in the land and see the hostility between Jew and Arab, for example, right? And how that's raging. Mm-hmm. And if we want to romanticize that, we will have a love as the church that will provoke that to jealousy, but we're not willing to lean into the ethnic hostility in the nation that we're presently in. It is truly delusion. Yeah. It's it's tr- we can't we can't romanticize yeah. the intensity of the hostility there now and that will come right. and we can't we we can't pretend like we can avoid sort of this conflict this coming together but I do think that that's why he told us in Ephesians that we have to wear armor because it's it, we're we're training for war with one another that's so, cool. so when we come together Reuben and we clash which is to be expected. Yeah there's not the shying away it's the coming back together and you clash with anybody who you love in your marriages right do you have conflict-free marriages have have you how long right and and so and i and i think even with the closest friendships that i've had so it's it's not just the covenant of marriage but so many other landscapes the people who you have grown deep in fellowship with you have overcome adversity and Mm -hmm. and and you think about it the the proverbs actually tell us that so i was looking in proverb um that that chunk in proverbs 17 um so there you've got the sort of rebuke in proverbs 17 16 where it says why would you buy wisdom if you're not able to understand and then you lean into that passage in 1717 that says a brother is born for adversity right so we talk about the family of God and we talk about how the Lord is reminding he's and he was so kind to remind the global church of how needful we were of one another but what is a brother made for it is for fellowship it is the apostles teaching breaking bread prayer fasting singing heavenly hymns over one another but a brother is made for adversity we are are a family army of the Lord. Yeah. So we put on that that whole armor of truth. We're girded with truth and we contend with each other for the faith. I, that's why I loved you. 25 verses, but it will run you through what it looks like to contend for the faith yeah, because ultimately true. I think that's the cry now. It's like, if, what is the church supposed to be saying is what does it look like for us in the, the light of injustice to contend for the faith? Yeah. The, the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. right? 
And so it shows you that we are coming together and we clash and that we are people of mercy and forgiveness. He says it here again in John, you know, when we have received forgiveness, we extend it to one another. And if it wasn't needed, he wouldn't have reminded us over and over and over and over in the scriptures to extend it, that we've been given it and that we're to extend it with to other people. And what I love about this idea of mercy is You know, we have so many other words that could speak to this, whether it's grace, whether it's forgiveness, but mercy is there was a judgment that was supposed to be there. So rightfully, right? So rightfully someone gets shot and there is an emotional response to the darkness of that. But what is the distinction between being wrapped in the cross, right? What is the difference where where we extend mercy? And it's not saying you don't have an emotional response that you cry, you yell, you do what you need to do. You cry out before the Lord. Some of the most moving sets at the GPR have been teams that are just groaning out. They don't have the words, right, to say in response to this, but they have have chosen the way of the kingdom and they're groaning before the Lord, right? right? And so I think also it's to give ourselves the permission that the Lord has long given us in the cross to actually be brothers and sisters in the faith and have a little tussle with each other every once in a while, right? Right. So we don't, yeah, the way, the, I think the way of the, the world is being so hyper vigilant to the precision of people saying, you said this one wrong thing, you owe an apology. Mm -hmm. You did this one wrong misstep and you have to, you know, prostrate yourself in front of everybody and give, you know, give the, the dutiful apology, (laughs) but we're not that way in the kingdom because we're people who forgive. And so it's even when we slide into that national identity or rhetoric of saying, we have to come before our brothers in that way and allow the Lord to renew our minds to say, no, I actually, there's grace here. There's mercy here. We're, we're bathed in it and we're going to come before each other in it. So I have no idea, right? You enter into a scenario, man, this probably impacted some people that I know. This probably impacted some people that I run with, and I should check on them. Uh-oh, I feel like I probably shouldn't ask because mm-hmm. nobody wants to be the white person who's reaching out to the black person just yeah. because something bad happened. Absolutely not. That's demonic. Reach out to your friends, right? Like, like we, we have so to, good. like, yeah. it's just a basic practical thing. And if that person responds in anger, let them work through that anger. But mm-hmm. there is still grace on the other side of it. It's yeah. not, it's not about getting, it's not about being polite. Like pleasantry isn't the same thing as forbearance, right? And so I think we enter into this place of like, I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend. No, the gospel is incredibly offensive. And the Lord is kind to sanctify me as your black sister in the Lord, as he is to sanctify you. And so in the same way of you wanting to come kindly and graciously to ask a question, I'm held by the same standard, crucified, right? We're we're both coming in this cruciform Mm -hmm. way before the Lord to respond rightly. And if there's any residue of why I would want to respond in a hostile way, he gets to deal with that too. And he's pulling up that dross and you respond to it. Because apart from the cross of Christ, there is not one who is worthy. There is not one who is pure. There is not one who is clean. He made it so. So even if there's a gross injustice... And it was darkness, full stop, series. We see, we see a history of this. That is not the narrative yeah. that of, of, of what I will stand before the Lord in. I'm, I'm a priest before God. That is my foremost yeah. ethnicity. You're a priest before God. Yeah. That's your foremost ethnicity. You know, I really love that you mentioned that, that you know, in relationship. Mm-hmm. Because when we, we, we take it to the grandiose level of like, you know, we have... We, t- we, we think that our Facebook posts or Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, uh, posts or whatever, like... Like we have to engage the national story. And uh, actually I haven't done any of that. What I've done because it's all I have and all I feel access to is exactly what you just 
gave me permission to do because mm-hmm. it was scary mm-hmm. is I went and I talked to my brother yeah. who I work with regularly uh, outside of this context, mm-hmm. but it, um, who I respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got an anointing for youth ministry and I just, I love this man. And he's, he's just a, you know, you just see God forging him to be powerful and he's already just doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was hurting yeah. and he was very, you know, he was hurting out mm-hmm. loud in mm-hmm. our, in our, in our team context and said some really inaccurate things. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I said to him, because, you know, you can't say anything right. You know, it's like, it's just whatever. I said, yeah. bro, here's what I hear. You're in pain. And I want to sit in this pain with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after we did a little bit of that, then, but I said, but here, here's the deal. I want your voice to matter. And as your brother, I, you, you can't, don't mix your emotions with logic. It's not the same same thing. So yeah, I, I, br- I brought correction to mm-hmm. my brother mm-hmm. on this issue, which, I mean, already somebody's going to slap <laughs> me in the face for saying that because it wasn't true. It wasn't factual. Certain things, statements were not factual. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the gospel doesn't call us to fix America. No. You know, and, and, and like, it's, it's not the church's job. Nope. So I'm making these statements, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of this conversation, this man of God acknowledges it mm-hmm. and says, Reuben, thank you mm-hmm. for what you said. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm a black man, but I'm primarily a citizen of heaven. Amen. I'm a son. And like he just, in that moment, he was able to grab onto that pain yeah. that he's feeling and, yep. and process it. And yeah. he's still, you know, he's still, it's still very real to him. Mm-hmm. He's still a black man. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> it's not yes. going to go away. Right. And I love that. He held on, but he held on to the hope. As you said, he, he, he's grabbing onto that, mm-hmm. um, the ark, you know, yeah. he's, He's realizing like, but my hope is in this yes. and I'm a messenger of yes. this, yes. not of this, right. but this is me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give this the narrative of what the scriptures have to say yeah. about it. You know how much it blessed me? I didn't know that that would be his response. And I understand that majority of people won't respond in such a wonderful way, mm-hmm. but it made me feel like, you know, as, as a man of the scriptures as well, myself, you know, mm-hmm. as I pursued truth through the word mm-hmm. that, you know, as a brown man, cause here, this conversation is a black and white conversation. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do? Like, right. just stay out of it? Like, no, you jump <laughs> in. And so I'm just like, oh yeah. gosh, look, I'm neither black nor white. I understand you and I understand you. Here we are right now. But like, so my point is that what I had to offer was like, hey, I'm staring at the same passages right now as you are. And here's what I think it says. That doesn't stop yeah. just yeah. because there's a, a, a you know, rising waters of tumultuous totally. nature. Absolutely. And that's the nature of reconciliation, right? Like ultimately when we talk, when, when, when you hear that word, uh, it's got kind of a kumbaya feel to it. You know, a lot of um, sort of spaces where you come together and there's more ceremony around it. But what you did, Ruben, was the most loving thing uh, that you could possibly do, right? It's what, it's how Jesus confronted. I think of how he showed up at the well in Samaria and how he spoke to this, the woman who was there, right? And he, um, he did not let up from all of the reality that she brought with her to that well, right? <laughs> She's, I'm not married. No, you're not. And the, the man you're with right now, you're not married to. And you know, you've been married this many times, like the whole history. And she was able to take that reality. And that was then the warrior cry that she goes yeah. back. This man who was the pillar of truth told me everything I've done. Like that's, this is one of the most, uh, I think, stunning passages of scripture because it's not uh, this, um, 
antiseptic Christianity where now we've been redeemed and I'm cleaned up. And so Jesus is good. She was in the thick of her mess, went back to the very people who had been a part of her condemnation or shame. The reason she was at the well in the first place and able to say it's because he told me all of this sin in my life. I believe that he's the Messiah, right? (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't this cleaned up version. And so if we can get into this reality of saying we actually are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and I'm to the place where it's, yes, I know you, but in relation, now I'm able to say, hey, that's sin. I, I love the fact that you are uh, able to be free and candid. But when it gets to the point of your emotion bringing to a place where you're confessing things that are not true, I'm going to remind you of truth. This is what love is. This is how I contend for the faith alongside oh. of you. And the spirit that you came from, Ruben, wasn't a, a, a spirit. I, th- I think the heart posture of that makes all of the difference in the mm-hmm. world because when you allow for meekness and humility to be the place where you're coming from and you're like, hey, I might take some hits for this. You know, he might, this might not go over well, but we're going to go for it anyway because you know what, it's worth, this is what love actually is. So now you, he's, he, he's going through his process. I'm going through my process. You're going through your process. But instead of letting the spirit of fear be what, what sort of sets the tone for whether yeah. or not truth is going to be spoken in that situation, you say no I'm, I've been given the, the I haven't been given a spirit of fear I've been given a sound mind and I'm going to respond in truth yeah. soberly brother in the uh, we know this to be true yeah. this whole council of scripture and we're leaning into it and I'm yeah. going to pull you out of that pit right allow for you to to be there and to and to mourn but let's come out of that back into our, our first identity into our first right our and, first yeah. and I want to I just want to add to that because because it all started I didn't want to hear it to be honest, yeah. I'm like, because it was coming out messy. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that's going on in my insides is like immediately shut down yeah. the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you first hear inaccuracies, mm-hmm. that's where we get this pushback that's ping pong. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's just this, because because we isolate things. And, and so one of the things the Lord spoke to me during that moment was to listen. Mm-hmm. And I listened to inaccurate words. Mm-hmm. But then what I heard was real pain. Sure. And how, how often do you think Jesus does that for us? Thank you. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, ultimately, if you're wanting to identify with the, yeah. the person of Christ yeah. Jesus. So I think it's being able to take off this lens of we're messengers, right? Which we are. That is an assignment of what we, but we're friends of Christ first and foremost in that, right? Like what makes you a messenger? What make, what made John the Baptist a messenger is he was a friend of God first, right? He had, he was a, a man who was formed by the Lord, who was chosen, who was given in the spirit of God who gave himself to, to the teaching and preaching of repentance. And so in the same way, we go before the Lord as his friends and we say a lot of inaccurate things. I go before God, very messy, very imprecise, wayward, you know, just a mess. And he listens patiently to everything through all of it. And he loves it. And he yeah. is so humble and he, you know, sifts through and takes it up before the Father in intercession. He sifts through, takes it up before the Father in intercession. So he does that for me, he does it for you. Then he does it for, you know, the church. Yeah. So he's listening to our moanings and our groanings and we're praying. And he's like, yeah, okay, a good person. You know, I see the direction that we're going with this beloved. We're a little <laughs> off, you know. We're going we're gonna to stir some, you know, create some circumstances where we can gain some clarity and revelation around that. But I love the heart behind it, beloved. Yeah, I love totally. the heart behind it, right? <laughs> and in his kindness and in his mercy, he lets the messiness happen. And I yeah. do think that ultimately that's one of the the ongoing things 
when you see a scenario like this, when you're looking individual to individual is the freedom and liberty in Christ and in the church to not feel like you have to be precise, perfectly polished, have the perfect tweetable moment to share with somebody, but really be able to just be where you're at and go through it. And, and, sanctify one another in it so you yeah. sit with it and and I think it's it's odd sometimes because we we get in these very tense situations and it feels so, so high stakes but we forget that we're really only called to love that person and so you have to bring yourself back into a relationship of someone who you care dearly about you would sit with them even if they're a mess right. even if they're a hot mess and some of the things that you're saying you feel the jabs of it right yeah. because there's also the cloak daggers that you're like Ooh, okay that was that was a little loaded you know yeah. like that that felt personal you know, you go through you go through all of that, but because you're you are made in in love, made for love, made from forbearance and made to forbear, made in forgiveness, made to forgive, then you you walk that thing out a little bit differently oh, with someone. That's so good. And I think even what you're saying is like Jesus hears us, mm-hmm. but he doesn't then stick a band-aid on it and like, okay, let's move forward. Sure. It's like he is so willing to take the time mm-hmm. to sit there with you that mm-hmm. even if it takes years for the healing to come, yep. he, he does, he's not bothered by that. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned earlier how on Instagram it's like, okay, it's a black tile. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, tomorrow yep. there could be another big story sure. and a different news cycle. And then everyone's kind of forgotten about what's happened right yeah, now. Yeah, tra- you know, because the statement like that is not a transformed heart, and that's totally. ultimately what the Lord is yeah. after. Wow, that's, that's a hashtag right there. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> but I'm more like, I don't want us to move on from this topic. Yeah. It's not a, hey, here, there's a Band-Aid, you're good now, Let, mm-hmm. let's move on. It's like, this topic, this these individual hearts in these stories yeah. is is on the Lord's heart. Yeah. And it's not like it suddenly came to his attention this week. Right. Oh, wait. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wait a second. Let's, yeah, let's stop yeah. and listen. It's mm-hmm. like, it's been on his heart. And as the church, have we actually been listening to every mm-hmm. aspect of his mm-hmm. heart? Mm-hmm. We can so easily as Christians, as the church, take on the world narrative yeah. and follow their new cycle mm-hmm. instead of actually following the Lord's heart. And I think what you've done today, even for me personally, is provoke the the heart in me to be like okay wait a second yeah I don't need to have it all together to even know what to say like you've you've brought freedom in that sense of I'm ignorant not because I want to be but just because maybe I haven't been listening the Mm -hmm. right way maybe Mm -hmm. I haven't been looking Mm -hmm. through the right lens Mm -hmm. and I don't need the right words Mm -hmm. but I think I'm like let's just sit here as a church let's come to the prayer room let's come before the Lord however and actually just sit in it Mm -hmm. and feel what's on his heart Mm -hmm. he as a Jewish man, isn't going to be like, wait, I'm not black. I don't know what this feels like. Sure. like <laughs> he feels, the he knows the exact emotion that you're yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he sits in it with you until yeah. you're ready to move on. Yeah, and I think one of the beautiful things about the Lord is his sense of, so for us, particularly being Western, urgency means fast. Yeah. So we have ha- we have to have an urgent response yeah. to this. But I think oftentimes what we see in the Lord is his urgency is a laser focus, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's less about the speed right. because he is very, very I, I, I don't know about you, but there are times with his timeline of justice that I'm deeply, that I have to, my flesh is a little pricked by that one, right? <laughs> because he's, he's delayed, right? And yeah. so you look at some of these things about his ways of justice as you search the scriptures that are even uncomfortable to my sensibilities. Yeah. Uh, but he's 
still deeply urgent and still deeply focused. And so I think that he's calling the church to respond in that way to your point of not um, sort of this modern Western perspective of urgency of I have to have the right thing to say. It has to be yesterday. I have to be ahead of the curve. I have to be jumping on the bandwagon of this next thing, but really focusing in um, coming together with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, having our face in the whole council of the scriptures and praying the word when we don't know what to say and, and groaning when we can't even do that and allowing that to be the intercession before the Lord, because that's the pattern he set forth for us as as priests. I mean, I think the theme that I hear from you right now is just use your frail human words Mm -hmm. and talk first to him Mm -hmm. and then talk to your brother who's hurting. Mm -hmm. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's like when I try to comfort my wife, sometimes I don't understand what she's going through. And I use my frail human words, mm-hmm. and it comes out messy, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like it creates right. other problems. Mm-hmm. But but then at the end of the day, after you know nine years that we've been married, it's like it actually went a direction mm-hmm. that I care, mm-hmm. and that's the predominant statement. Yeah, I'm here. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Sure. You know, and and at the end of the day, that's what the Lord is slowly doing in us, mm-hmm. in the ministry of reconciliation. He's yeah. bringing us together in mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And this is how they will know that he was sent from the Father, yes, that we how we love. love one another. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Ruben? So yeah. when have uh, the example that we've used is marriage. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about as a husband and how you've come in messily with your wife and how um, the words have felt kind of sloppy. Have you found that your prayers have changed over time for your wife? Absolutely. Right. I mean, they've changed like my desire has always been there, but in terms of, yeah, I think the subject matter of how I pray for her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's changed. I guess it was a lot more selfish in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the same way with other people who we love, we'll see that same evolution in prayers. Someone asked me last week, maybe sort of what it was um, that they, you know, as a friend, what it would look like for them to walk alongside. And I'm not saying that they would have to respond to me the same way you respond to your wife, but just go with me here. (laughs) I'm saying the evolution in the relationship. And it's, it's, yes, I I want prayers that my heart is guarded against offense that I identify with my heavenly citizenship. But in the same way, um, as I come into knowing and full relationship, now pray a covering of prayer for my husband, pray for my son, and contend for his reality in the Lord. My son, who's five, he's not saved yet. I need him in the kingdom, right? That's where his real hope is. So we need to be laboring then for the children yeah. and saying that much more with this this cloak of hostility and fear, how much more do we need to contend for these the, the children to come into the kingdom, for those who are not yet yeah. saved, you know, uh, to come into the kingdom. Then for my husband, if, if you're like, okay, he's a black believer, how do I pray for him? In this time, you know, that's a, a question that we get a lot is like, how do I pray for you in this time? How are you doing? And I absolutely would love the ongoing prayer to not have a heart gripped by fear and to not yeah. identify, but also pray the the good, hearty scriptures in the prayer of him as a disciple of Christ Jesus, that he would come into wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. and revelation, that he would grow into the mature things of God, that he would um, speak the truth, like all that the, the prayer over him shouldn't switch to this place of fear and like protection, 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 although that's part of it, but also just 
thing in this vein of in this evolution of relationship that I still rightly see you as my brother that I don't even let hostility or confusion or rage in the nation to switch how I see you and so now I'm still seeing you rightfully as a brother and that's what I'm contending for I'm contending for your maturity and the fruitfulness of your life I'm contending for you to stay steadfast and endure into the end because that's what also it talks about in Matthew 24 is that those who endure until the end will see that the gospel is preached so I'm praying for you to endure I'm praying that you know the the reality of the kingdom would be made alive in you and when we get to the place too where we're not shaken by the things and the flashpoints that come that we continue to steadily pray for the church steadily pray for one another steadily relate with one another not let this be the oh I can't Mm -hmm. I've got to relate differently (laughs) oh I got it yeah you know we're not taking those hits in that same way but we genuinely are saying my eyes are fastened on the Lord and because I know what it looks like I'm beholding him we as a bride are becoming that and that's the reality that I'm praying for you to come into that's the truth of who you are oh your words have been piercing and beautiful Thanks for, been, thanks for yeah. joining us. Thank you for having Thank me. You. It's been just amazing. I'm just reminded of two scriptures in particular. One being that God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. And sometimes we let our confusion and our ignorance silence us. And actually, God is wanting that to be the complete opposite. Yeah. Bring everything to him in prayer that he may bring peace to our own hearts, but then ultimately peace to the whole world. And again, we know that the Lord set boundary lines in place for the nations that the people may grope for him Mm -hmm. and ultimately the nations the ethnic groups are groping that he may return and solve the problem of genesis 3 the ultimate crisis and so chirsten thank you so much for um helping us unpack this topic uh we want to be one church under christ not 10 different billion churches just one so if this podcast touched your heart and if you feel like you're stirred at this topic right now to pray, share it with others, share it with your family, your brothers and sisters, and let's take this topic to the Lord in prayer as we journey through with our brothers and sisters. Yeah, um, and, it, and if you are struggling with words and are not brave enough, I mean, and you agree with some of what we discussed here, share this yeah. and, and, and let it be the introduction to a conversation. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, guys, we are family our brothers and sisters are hurting if you're not black. If you are, reach out. We want to engage the conversation together because we're family. Yeah, amen. So we will see you next Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. That's right. Peace. <laughs>